0: I know what this world has to offer, and I can honestly say nothing satisfies the longing of the human heart like the Lord Jesus. He is truly the bread of life. He is the water of life. He's what brings satisfaction and contentment um, to us as human beings, and I'm so very thankful that I've come to know Him, that He's made a difference in my life. If you've not yet trusted in this Jesus I know, I invite you to do so today. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God loves you. The same Jesus who has changed me can and will change you if you'll trust in him. The same Jesus who's given me peace can give you peace. The same Jesus who brings joy to my heart can bring joy to your heart. The same Jesus who gives purpose to my life can give you purpose in your life that makes all the difference. I'm telling you there's none like the Lord Jesus. There's nothing better than Him. Take your Bibles if you will please, turn with me to Ephesians chapter number six. One of, if not my favorite day of the year is Father's Day. I love Father's Day and there's a reason for that. My three greatest blessings call me daddy. And so I I love being a dad, I love being a father. And so I couldn't wait to get here. I'm like Brother Scotty man, I've been sitting on G waiting on O to get here uh, this morning and share with you what the Lord has shared with me concerning what it means to be a godly father. And um, the Bible shares that with us right here in Ephesians chapter six. The Bible says in Psalm one twenty seven and verse three that children are a blessing unto the Lord. If you believe that, say Amen. It, that uh, children are, are are God's heritage from are, are an heritage or a blessing from God Himself. Now I remember years ago I was. Uh, preaching at a men's conference over in New Albany, Mississippi, and I had spoke that night on Psalm 127. I got done and was standing at the back as those brothers were leaving, and there's this one um, dear brother came up to me, he said, Pastor, I want you to know that I believe with everything in me that God's Word is His absolute truth. I believe in the authority of Scripture, he said, but I'm struggling with that verse in Psalm 127. And the verse he was struggling with is the ver- verse I just quoted to you, that children or an heritage or a blessing from the Lord. He said, you, you don't know what me and my wife are going through with my kids right now. They're bringing utter turmoil into our lives, so I'm struggling. And, and he was just like every other dad that struggles from time to time. So I knew exactly where he was coming, through, from, coming from. Let me ask you something, dads. Have you ever struggled in fatherhood? I don't know about you, but I know what he's saying there. I know what he's going through. When maybe he don't have all the answers. Maybe he hadn't been the father that he's been called to be. Maybe he's made mistakes that's led to some bad decisions that his children have made. He, he was struggling a little bit in being the father that God wanted him to be. And, and I want to tell you something. If you've not, never struggled as, uh, know what it's meant to struggle as being a father. Either you're not a father or just hang on a little while. It's coming. You're going to struggle. Let me tell you why. Because there are no perfect fathers and there are no perfect children. The truth is, each and every one of us, if we have been saved, are just sinners saved by the grace of God. If you've not yet trusted in Jesus, you are still in your sin and need a personal relationship with Christ But if you have trusted in Jesus, you're just a sinner saved by grace. We are imperfect people living in an imperfect fallen world and as long as that's the case, we're gonna struggle from time to time. So he said, Pastor, I believe that children are a blessing from the Lord, but you just don't know my kids. You don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what's happening in my life. He was struggling just a little bit and sometimes we all struggle. Sometimes we all struggle go through tough times in being a father. Fatherhood is certainly a great blessing, but with it comes a great responsibility, and it can be tough being the father that God has called us to be. I remember when I was a little boy, some of you may remember an old advertisement for the Peace Corps. And it was a very popular commercial years ago and they would show these people out in a third world country somewhere in the Peace Corps in in a deep dark jungle somewhere and they'd be building houses or building bridges or building roads or doing something to help the people there. And at the end of that advertisement they would always say Peace Corps, the toughest job you'll ever love. Now I've never been in the Peace Corps. Uh, But I certainly can say this. I don't know if Peace Corps is the toughest job you'll ever ever love, but I can certainly say fatherhood is the toughest job you'll ever love. It can be tough. It is tough for several different reasons. First and foremost, fatherhood is difficult from time to time. It can be tough because you are making very important decisions that not only affect you, but affect those that are closest to you. And sometimes those decisions that you must make as a father, they're not popular with those that are closest to you. I can't tell you how many times I've had to tell my kids, we don't do that, or you can't go there, or we ain't going to do this, even though everybody else is doing it. Sometimes that's not popular with my children. But how many of you know, I'm not called as a father to be popular. I'm called to make the decision that is first and foremost Pleasing unto the Lord and what's best for my kids. Dads, let me tell you something. Your children have enough friends. They need a daddy. Now, as a daddy, you should be their friend, but you need to be more than that. You need to be the one who walks with wisdom, hearing from the Lord, speaking into their lives. So fatherhood can be tough because you've got to make some very tough decisions from time to time. Fatherhood can also be tough because, listen, there uh, are enemies coming from the outside against my home, my family, my kids. And the Bible says that as a man, as a husband and father, I am called to be the protector of my family. I am to protect my family physically, I am to protect my family spiritually, I am to protect my family emotionally. We're going to talk about what all that means this morning, but sometimes That's a difficult job to accomplish, protecting them from all the things that are coming at them, especially in the world that we live in. Because all kind of stuff that we never had to deal with when we were growing up. I was thinking this week in preparing this message about a... uh, Man I work with, he's a prankster, always has been. I've worked with him now for 20 years, and you've got to watch him. He loves to get a good one on you. I mean, he'll always try to pull some kind of prank. He loves to have a good time. And to protect the innocent and to guard the guilty, I'm not going to use right names, but I'm going to give them some names so I can tell you this story. Let's just call him Bob, the man I work with. He loves to pull pranks. Bob had a next-door neighbor years ago That had just gotten married. Let's call him Joe. And Joe uh, was also a close relative of Bob. They lived just right down the road from one another. And so let me tell you what Bob does. He goes and finds, actually purchases a gorilla costume. I mean, and this is a big burly dude, you know. And when he put the gorilla costume on, he looked just like Bigfoot. I mean, it was was amazing. It was amazing. You ought to see him in it. It was something to see. But... He, he gets with Joe's new wife, these newlyweds, and she gets in on the prank too. And he they go out and eat. Joe and his wife goes out to eat one Friday night, and she leaves the door unlocked at their house. And he comes over in the gorilla outfit and goes in their house and hides in the closet waiting on them. All right? And so he's in the closet, and the wife and the husband come in. She knows about all this going on. She's already taken all the guns out of the house, which was a wise decision. And... um. She, uh, she tells her husband it's time to go to bed and they go get ready for bed and he's still sitting in the closet. Bob's getting ready to make his big appearance and so he starts wrestling around in the closet and making noise and he, he, he says he can hear them in the bedroom talking and of course the wife knowing what's happening says, honey, I think someone's in the house and he said, it's nothing, go back to sleep, you know and so Bob rustles a little louder. He's trying to really get him going and get him woke up and so finally his uh, wife yells at him says honey someone's in the house I can hear him and Bob at this point is walking up and down the hall you know just trying to get him to come out where he was and so he said he can still hear him talking and she says honey someone's in the house go see who it is and so the husband finally hears what's going on and he says you go check it out <laughs> And so they're arguing back and forth about who's going to get up and see who's in the house. And so finally the husband gets up to do what he's supposed to do, and Bob just runs from the other end of the, of the hallway in the gorilla costume and tackles him. And I said, man, it's a wonder you didn't get killed. It's a good thing she took all of the guns out of the house. Now, I want to tell you something. Bigfoot may not be coming after you in your home, but I can promise you this, fathers. There are other enemies that you've got to protect your home from. Some of them come from without, some of them are already within. One of the greatest enemies that I have saw in my life, in my family's life, is is a cell phone that we carry around every day. It is a dangerous thing to put that much information in the hands of a child that's not ready for it. So we've got to guard these things. We've got to police these things as fathers the best we can. Not because we don't trust our children, but because I don't trust a lost and dying world. I certainly don't trust an enemy that's coming against my kids. You shouldn't either. We're to do what we can to protect them physically, but also Spiritually. Spiritually. What do I mean by protecting them spiritually? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, chapter 10 and verse number 4 that the weapons of my warfare, they're not carnal or they're not fleshly, but they are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. There's. let me tell you what you need to do. If you're going to protect your kids spiritually, first and foremost, pray for your children. Get dedicated and disciplined in your prayer life and daily bring your children before the throne of grace. Daily spend time in prayer asking God for His mercy, for His grace, and for His favor upon your kids. Ask for wisdom so that you might know what to do and when to do it. The Bible says if anybody lacks wisdom, all we got to do is ask of God and He'll give it to us liberally. He'll give us all we need. James 1 and 3. Isn't that amazing? God said, I've got all you need, just to ask me. So, fathers, let's start asking. We have not because we ask not. Number one, if you want to protect them spiritually, pray for your children. Number two, we also need to teach them truth that comes from God's word. I've heard it said, you've heard it, man, you got to keep your family in church. That's true, absolutely. Dads, you need to make sure you keep your family plugged in to your local Bible-believing New Testament church. Because God's Word changes things. Truth comes, or excuse me, freedom comes when people get a hold of truth. Jesus said you shall know the truth and what? The truth then will set you free. Guess where we're getting hold of truth? We do it every Sunday morning right here in this worship service. We do it through Sunday school when we start Sunday school back. We do it through small groups. We do it through different things, ministries that we have right here that speak into your lives and help you disciple you and your families to being better followers of Christ. So yeah, keep them plugged into church, but also have church at home. What do I mean by having church at home? I mean daily find ways to bring Jesus into the conversation. Daily pray for ways to practically teach them what it means to follow Christ. And and when you start praying for that and you keep your spiritual ears and eyes open, God will start opening all kinds of doors for you to do just that. A lot of times it comes with uh, questions that my kids ask. I love those questions. Here, when, when we were back during the quarantine, you know, and everybody stayed home for a month, I absolutely loved it because we got to have a whole lot of discussion about deep truths of Scripture um, that I wanted to teach them and they needed to know. Man, we had a lot of church in home during that time. I think a lot of times we get so busy doing everything else, we trade the good things for the best things. Dads, listen to me. Teach your children what it means to follow follow Jesus. Don't just do it here, but have church at home. It's amazing what God can do in that, what he will do in that. And so we protect them emotionally. Also, what I mean by protecting them emotionally, I'm reminded of what the the Bible teaches in Luke chapter 15 about the prodigal son. Y'all remember the story. The son had, the Bible says, wasted his substance on riotous living. He had taken the inheritance of the father, which would have been a great insult to the father of that day. He took his inheritance before the father died, went into a far country, and the Bible says, wasted his substance in riotous living in the party lifestyle. And found himself in the pig pen, and then had to come back home and ask forgiveness From the father. But the Bible says when he was yet a great way off, what did the father do? He ran, fell on his neck, and he kissed him. Let me tell you why the son left home. The son left home because he wanted to live in a way that he knew would not be pleasing to the father. The son went into the far country because he was getting as far away from daddy, who was a man of God, that he could possibly get so he could go do his own thing. But listen to me now. Even though the father didn't condone his lifestyle and the son knew he couldn't live that way in daddy's house, there was a standard there in that home. He didn't condone his lifestyle. He had set a standard to worship God and live for Jesus, live for the Lord. When that son did come home, what did the father do? He ran, fell on his neck and he kissed him, put a ring on his finger and through a party because the Bible says the son that was lost had been found. He'd finally come home. To protect your children emotionally, you need to let them know, fathers, that, you know what? They're going to do things that you don't condone and that you are not proud of, that you're not happy with. But no matter what they do, they'll always be your children. You're going to love them even though you may not agree with what's going on in their life. We must protect them physically. We must protect them spiritually. We must protect them emotionally. No doubt about that. Because even though being a father, it's a tough job. How do you know it's a necessary job? Man, it's an important job. Maybe the most important. I believe it to be one of the greatest of the greatest importance of anything we can think of dads truly make a difference and that's what I want to that's the 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 statement I want to preach on today dads make a difference you don't have to look far in our world to see how much of a difference dad makes I mean it's everywhere it's in society everywhere we look Right now, well, one thing that I love about our Kingdom Man study that we're doing on Tuesday nights is it gives us a look into society and the problems that we see and how that correlates with fatherless homes. Listen to some of the things we've learned in our Tuesday night Bible study. A child that grows up in a fatherless home is seven times more likely to be incarcerated as an adult than a child who grew up in a, in a, in a, in a home with a father. Seven times more likely to go to prison if they grow up in a fatherless home. A child that grows up in a fatherless home is six times more likely to drop out of school than the one who grows up with a father. It's amazing to me. 63% of teen suicides come from fatherless homes. 40% of all births in our nation are born to single-parent homes. We're wondering why in the world uh, we're in the shape we're in. I believe a big reason for why we're seeing what's happening, the lawlessness that we see in our society, even right now, is because we've got generations of young people being raised without the, uh, the influence of a father. We're seeing that everywhere, all over. Not only do we see it through the statistics in society, but we also see it biblically. We see all throughout the Word of God examples of people, fathers, who were not the example they should have been to their kids, and it cost them greatly. You remember the story of King David. King David pampered Absalom and set a bad example for Absalom and it cost him his kingdom at one point. You remember Eli from the book of 1 Samuel. Eli was a uh, priest, a high priest there for the people of Israel but he didn't teach his children, his sons to obey the Lord and fear God and guess what happened? It cost the nation of Israel greatly because it brought uh, defeat to their armies. You remember Isaac, don't you? Isaac had Jacob and Esau and the Bible says that Isaac favored Esau and Rebecca, his wife, favored Jacob and it caused a family divide because of favoritism from one child to another. And so I'm telling you, listen, fatherlessness or fathers being a bad example even though they're in the home has a big impact negatively in our society that we live in. I want to tell you something, folks. If there's one thing the enemy is attacking today, it's fathers. Because he knows If he can tear down a father, he can tear down a family. And if he tears down a family, he tears down the foundation of a nation. He does what he does well. And the Bible says he came to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Manhood, masculinity is being attacked more today than ever before. If you don't believe me, turn on your TV. Every new sitcom you see is going to portray the father as being a complete idiot, a buffoon who don't know what it's like to get in out of the rain. I mean, they never show any respect to the father. They never show the father as having any wisdom. They always show the father as being a bumbling idiot that nobody can respect. That's not by accident. The modern feminist movement has done everything they can possibly do to tear down masculinity. As a matter of fact, one of their leading voices said recently, "The, the, the greatest thing, the greatest problem we face in America today is toxic masculinity. Are you kidding me? If there's ever been a time we need men to be men, it's right now. If there's ever been a time we need men to stand up and be what God has called us to be, it's right now. Not in arrogance or pride, but standing in love and truth and spiritual boldness. We need it now more than ever. we got to have it. But I I can also say this. Dads make a difference negatively when they're not the dad that God's called them to be, but they also make a very positive difference when they are the dad God's called them to be. Let me give you this. When a child gets saved and begins following Jesus, 3% of the time... That family follows him to church, him or her to church. When a mother gets saved in the home and starts going to church, starts following Jesus, 17% of the time the family will follow that mama. But now listen to this when a father gets saved and starts following Jesus, 94% of the time their family follows him to church. I'm going to tell you something dads make a difference. I'm going to tell you folks, listen to me fathers, if there's one thing I want to do, I want to make a positive difference in the life of my kids and in my family. Amen? I want to make a difference that's pleasing to God and helpful for my kids and for my wife. The statistics bear it out. God's word speaks the truth that dads make a difference, and the truth is we're either leading our family from Jesus or we're leading our family to Jesus. But we are leading our family because dads make a difference. The choice is up to us. What are we going to do with what we know to be true? What are we going to do with the truth that we find in the Word of God? We must make the decision now to make a difference that's positive with our kids and with our family. So are you ready? You want to do that? You want to see how you do that? You want to see what God's word says about it? Because listen, that's where truth comes from. That's where we find the standard. (laughs) Ephesians chapter number six. Let's look together this morning just very quickly at uh, just three, four verses here and I'll be done. Ephesians 6 of course, comes on the heels of Ephesians 5. In Ephesians 5, he tells us what it means to be a godly husband, what it means to be a godly wife. Then in Ephesians chapter 6, he begins talking to us about what it means to be godly children and what it means to be a godly father. Very important. Look what it says in Ephesians 6, verses 1 through uh, verse number 4. Now, I would do every father a great disservice today if I didn't say a little bit about the obedience of a child and what a child should be doing as a godly child. Listen what it says. Children obey your parents, watch this now, in the Lord. So let me let me first of all preface this by telling you everything that Paul is about to say here, he's saying this to people who are in Jesus. All right? He's saying to believers Because that makes all the difference. First and foremost, the first step of becoming the father you are to be is that you know Christ as your personal Savior. It's that you've trusted in Jesus and He's made a difference on the inside that makes a difference on the outside. The first step in being what God wants you to be is to uh, accept Christ for the forgiveness of your sin, His finished work at the cross, so that you might be born again into God's family. So that He might change that old hard heart, and give you a right and new spirit within you. So the Bible says he's talking to those in the Lord. And he says that children are to obey their parents who are in the Lord for three reasons. First of all, he says, because it's right. (laughs) It's just right. It just makes sense. If you, listen to me, kids, if you've got parents who love Jesus and follow Jesus, if you've got parents who are doing everything they can, a father who does everything he can to point you to Christ, to protect you physically, to protect you spiritually, to protect you emotionally, if you've got a dad like that, why wouldn't you want to do what he says? Why wouldn't you be obedient to what he's telling you? I try to tell my kids all the time. I ask them, I say, hey, do you think your daddy loves you? And they'll say, yeah, dad, I think you love me. I know you do. And and so then I'll ask them, well, if I love you, don't that mean I want what's best for you? If I love you, don't that mean that I I want to do my best to be a good father to you and and, and teach you the right way to do things? And they'll say, yeah, dad, I believe that. I say, well, if you believe I love you and you believe I've got your best interest at heart, then why won't you just do what I say? Obedience is right. Obedience is right the Bible says, is what a child should do who have parents who are in the Lord. The only time you should not obey your parents if they're telling you something that is wrong according to God's truth, the Bible, if they're telling you something to do that would hurt you or hurt someone else. But the thing is, the parents who are in the Lord's not going to be doing that. That's what Paul is saying. So children, obey your parents in the Lord for it's the right thing to do. Why is it right? Well, first of all, the Bible says that we are to be, as fathers, the spiritual head of our household. Amen? God set that up that way for a reason, for a purpose. Now, listen. My daddy always told me, son, I brought you into this world. I can take you out of this world. (laughs) And I always believed him. Still do believe him to an extent. Now, what he was telling me, me and your mama brought you into this world. Now, listen, because they brought me into this world, well, they're, just, they're a lot older than I am. They have experienced before what I am experiencing, experiencing now and what I will experience in the future. So guess what, uh, kids? That gives you an ace in the hole. That gives you... um. A mother, mom and daddy who are in the Lord, who've had experience in the past, and in wisdom can instruct you on what you need to do in the present. Amen? What you need to do in the future. So it's just right and of your best interest for you to listen to people who love you and have wisdom and have been through what you are going through and what you will go through. It's just right. just makes sense. But there's another reason you should obey your mother and your father. It's commanded. Look at verse number 2. Obedience is, you, children, you should obey your parents because it's right, but you should also should obey your parents because it's commanded in the Word of God. Ephesians 6-2 says, Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Well, what's he mean by this? The Bible says in the Old Testament that if you obey your mother and your father, your days will be long on the earth. <laughs> Amen. That's amazing. Now, what's he mean by that? Does that mean that everybody who died young didn't obey their mother and father? No, that's not what he's saying. What he's saying is, listen, when you do what God tells you to do in being obedient to your mother and your father, blessing can and will come your way. I remember when I was a little boy, me and my brothers rode bicycles everywhere. We did it every evening. As soon as we got off the bus, that's the first thing we did. We ran and got on them bicycles and started riding on the yard or building ramps or climbing hills and we would build these ramps out in the yard that were, um, t- t- they wouldn't even a little bit safe. I mean, we'd stack up these cinder blocks two or three high and then put a whole piece of rotted plywood on it and try to jump it like the BMX racers that we saw on TV. And I can remember several times my dad coming out the door and said, son, no, no, y'all ain't doing that, put it down. No more jumping today. Now, why was he doing that? First of all, because he had wisdom. Second of all, because he loved me and didn't want to see me break my neck on a ramp. Now, listen, if I had not listened to him and I tried to jump on that old rotted ramp that I was fixing to jump on, my days may have been cut really short. Is this making sense to you? Not only does that work with those things we look back on in our childhood, but that works with things right now. See, parents are doing what they're doing First of all, because they love the Lord and they love you. They want what's best for you. They do want to protect you. They want you to be blessed. So, according to what the Bible says in Ephesians 6 2, you should obey your parents because it brings, brings blessing to your life. I'm gonna, I, I ain't going to tell my kids something's going to hurt them. I want to tell them something's going to help them. I don't want to be a hindrance to them. I want to be a blessing to them. I don't want to be a burden to them. I want to be a blessing to them. So if I can be that, that's what I want to be. And I'm praying about it. And I'm asking God to lead, God and direct me as I lead, God and direct them. So listen to what I say. All kids who's got parents in the Lord, they're doing what they're doing because they love you. Obedience is right. Obedience brings bless. Excuse me, it's commanded and obedience brings blessing. You should obey your parents. Those three reasons he gives us. So verse number three, that it may be well with thee and thou mayest live long on the earth, verse number four. And then he goes to fathers. I can tell you this. If we had obedient children, fathers who trust Jesus, follow Jesus, and love their kids, will have a whole lot easier time being the fathers God's called them to be. So, So fathers, or excuse me, children, help us out here. Help us be what God wants. Paul says, first of all, children, obey your parents, for this is right in the Lord. But then he says to fathers some things here we need to see. And he addresses this to fathers again, not because mamas are not important, because mamas are of great importance in the home, in the family, and to their kids. But when it comes to those who are going to give an account for our families, how many of you know the buck stops with me as a daddy? And it stops with you, fathers, One day I'm going to stand before Jesus and I'm going to give an account for how I led my kids. What I did in my home to point them to Christ. I'm going to give an account for the difference I made whether it's negative or positive. I don't know about you, but I take that very seriously. I don't want to wait and not only hurt my children by not being the father God's called me to be, I don't want to displease my Lord by not being the father God's called me to be. I want to teach them what it means to be a godly husband. I want to teach them what it means to be a witness for the Lord Jesus, to be faithful to the things of God. And I've come to find out these things are not necessarily taught with my lips all the time, but they're caught from my life. I'm convinced That kids catch a whole lot than they're taught. They see you do it and then they act accordingly. So he addresses to the fathers because we are the ones who will ultimately be held responsible. And he gives us four things to do. He says, first of all, don't provoke them. Listen, I put it, in any fathers. Provoke not your children to wrath. So don't provoke them to anger. Let me give you just a couple of ways that you can provoke your kids to anger and cause them to turn on you and rebel against you. First of all, when you start comparing one child to another child, you will provoke them to anger. You don't believe me? Look back in the Word of God and find what happened with Jacob and his sons. Jacob, who also became Israel, had, you know, 12 sons. And the son that he loved most was Joseph. He made him a coat of many colors. And he began comparing all the other sons to Joseph because Joseph was his favorite. Let me tell you what that did. That created a sibling rivalry within the family that ultimately caused Joseph's brothers to sell him into slavery. Now God, by his providential work, worked in all of that to accomplish his will and purpose, but I'm telling you, it cost that family for a long time. It cost the relationship of those boys for a long time until God finally fixed it. So don't provoke them to anger by comparing one child to another, whether that be in the home or outside the home. Well, you ain't like so-and-so's kid. You ain't like this one down the street or that one at school. They're not them. They're never gonna be. God made your child special. They are fearfully and wonderfully made for a purpose. Let them be them. Some of them are going to be great at sports. Some of them are going to be great at academics. Some of them are going to be talented. Some of them are going to do different things. That's all right. Let them be them. Don't compare them to someone else. Raise them to be what God has gifted and called them to be. Not only do you provoke them to anger by comparing one child to another, but also by always complaining and never praising but you tell know what I found out. I can always find something, I-, I can find something my kids do wrong. And you can too. I don't care who you are. See, there's a lot of people who think they got perfect kids. Those people make my eye twitch a little bit. You know, they never do any wrong, it's always somebody else's fault. No, it's not always somebody else's fault. Sometimes it's just their fault. We can't keep covering up for our kids. One of the hardest things for me to do as a father is to let them make mistakes and deal with the consequences. Because I always want to fix it. But You can't always do that. you got to let them learn from what they do wrong and what they do right. you got to pull back the rein a little bit and let them experience what life is all about if they're ever going to get ready for life outside of your home. And that is so hard from time to time for me. So, but I can always find what they do wrong, and you can too. None of us are perfect. My kids certainly wasn't raised by a perfect father. So I get that there's sometimes, hey, they, they may do some wrong things. I get that they were born into sin and are just sinners saved by grace too. I get that. But even though I can find what they do wrong, I can always find a whole lot they can do right too. I don't ignore the wrong, but I certainly don't ignore the right, and we can't do that. We can't always complain about everything they do and never praise them for something they do right. Whatever it might be, find something to praise them in. Let me tell you how else you can provoke your kids to wrath or or to to anger, to wrath. By crushing discipline, that is unfair. The punishment ought to fit the crime. And you know what I've come to find out? You've got to pick your battles as a parent. Sometimes I I don't sweat the small stuff. And you've got to decide for yourself what the small stuff is. Right? I mean, boy, when I... When, when, when my oldest daughter, you know, when when she, when she was growing up, younger, I I, I think I, I a lot of times I sweated the small stuff too much, and, and and you can't tighten the screws to the point that they're going to rebel against everything you say. So you you've got to give them a little breathing room, and and when they do wrong, the discipline should fit the wrong they do. It shouldn't be shouldn't be crushing them. So don't provoke them to wrath. But the Bible says, do nurture them. Look what it says. And ye fathers provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition. The word nurture holds really two different meanings. First of all, it speaks of instruction and it speaks of direction. To nurture your child means that you instruct them in the ways of righteousness. You teach them what's right. Amen. And again, that don't just happen with my lips. That better happen with my life. They need to see me doing what's right. They need to catch me doing good things. They need to catch me reading my Bible if I want them to read their Bible. They need to catch me praying around the dinner table if I want to see them praying around the dinner table. They need to catch me witnessing if I want them to be a witness. Are you seeing what I mean? We instruct them in the ways of righteousness. With the truth of God's word, that's again why it's so important to keep them in church and to have church at home. But not only do we instruct them, we direct them. And we direct them by discipline. Discipline is very important. I know that discipline kind of gets a bad rap in today's world. and I think that's another attack the enemy brings against the word of God and destroys homes and families because there is a lack of discipline. Discipline should always be done in love and never in anger. Do I discipline my children? Yes. Have I spanked their bottoms? Yes, from time to time. But when I do give them a spanking, I'm not doing it because I'm angry at them. I'm doing it because I want to direct them. I want to... Show them the better way. Because I love them. And that's the same way God deals with us. The Bible says that God chastens those he loves as a father would a son in Hebrews 12. The Bible says that if we spare the rod, can somebody else finish that? Now, I get the sentiment, but that's not actually what it says in the King James. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs thirteen twenty four that if a man spares the rod, he hates his son. It's pretty strong language. Listen, you've got to correct them. Now, sometimes it can be through spanking. Sometimes it can be through withholding privileges. I found that it works different for different kids. But even taking away things ought to be done in love and not in anger. I never discipline my children in anger. Give time to cool off, think about it, pray about it, and then go back and handle the situation. That will help you and that will help them. Discipline should be done in love and not anger, but discipline also should be done to direct and not damage. In no way should we ever abuse our children but we should always adjust their behavior, and that's done through discipline. Again, the punishment has to fit the crime. But then the Bible says, we are, we don't provoke, we do nurture, we do discipline, and you know we do encourage. That's what the word admonition is, to encourage, to build up, to teach. So find ways to encourage those youngins. Find things they do right. Correct the wrong, yes, but praise the right. And you can find some right if you look. I'm going to tell you something. God, the Bible says, is our loving Heavenly Father. He loves you and I with an unconditional, everlasting love. Because He loves us, He corrects us. As He corrects us, He teaches us the way life is to be lived. And we only know how life is to be lived if we know the Creator of life. Fathers, love your children enough. Not only to correct them, but to also encourage them. To lead them to Jesus instead of from Jesus. Because the Bible says dads make a difference. It's our decision, our choice, whether we make a positive one or a negative one. Let me pray for you. I'm just going to pray this morning that the Lord would make this truth real to you and real to me and real to all of our fathers that are listening to us today. Father God, we love you. We want to thank you, Lord, for who you are and for what you've done in our life. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for showing me grace and mercy, love and forgiveness that comes freely through the cross. Lord, I'm so thankful for the blessing of my kids. So thankful that you have uh, allowed me to be their dad. And Lord, I'm praying that you would Uh, Direct me as I direct them. As I follow you, may they follow me. Lord, as you work in my life, work in their life, and help us all to be what you've called us to be. Give me wisdom to know what to do and when to do it, what to say and when to say it. For every father that's listening to me, Right now, I pray if there's one out there who's not yet trusted in you, that, Lord, today you would make real to them their need for salvation. Holy Spirit, convict that heart like you once convicted my heart. For the child of God who's a dad today, Lord, give us direction from your word and by the power of your spirit, work on us, work in us, and work through us to help us be godly fathers that make a positive difference in the lives of our children and our family. Lord, help us to be what you've called us to be by your power. In Jesus' mighty name we pray and for your sake. Amen. Brother, come on up.